listening to the Darius Daniels Podcast. Well, what's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode. Listen to me, the final episode of season two of the Darius Daniels Podcast. I'm excited about this show. I believe it's going to add value to your life. We believe in conversations for your transformation, and we've got a transformational show coming up for you today. We've got a very special guest. It's a surprise guest. You've got to stay tuned <laughs> for today's guest. And as always, we've got the Ask Dr. Darius section of the show. You better buckle up. Get ready. We're getting ready to go to another level on the last episode of season two of the Darius Daniels podcast. Well, everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to the final episode of season two of the Darius Daniels podcast. I've got Dakara and Chastity with me today. How y'all doing? Y'all sad? It's the final episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm so grieving. Sad. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, like they're uh, you when, remember, when you, know, you the, transition out the last episode, like of the, the last season, episode, the you finale, just in the living room. Yeah, looking, you just standing there. Hey, yeah. this is not goodbye. It's see you later. Okay. okay. Car, you made it through the entire season without getting canceled. That's, yes. Yes. Yeah. That's Shout amazing. out to you. Congratulations, Dakari. I appreciate that. Yeah, I was a little that. concerned about that. Why? God is faithful, though. <laughs> yes. God is faithful. I wasn't concerned about God. I was concerned about you. Now, you had a moment, too. I had a couple. <laughs> I had a couple. We got some emails about those. <laughs> I think everyone loved me because no one canceled me. I didn't get any emails. So You played Amen. it safe. Good for you. Shout out to me. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, but we know your truth. <laughs> Everyone's faith. That's it. That's what's up. So how's the experience been for you guys? I mean, we shifted the format a bit. I wanted something a little more communal and engaging. And you know, obviously my passion is transformation, but I wanted to take a different approach in terms of like the delivery system and did not just sound like, I think I got tired of hearing myself the first season, but anyway, <laughs> something a little different. How, I mean, it's been great for me. I think you, you guys have just added tremendous value to our show and I try it, but what's the experience been like for you guys? Oh, for me, it has been, it's been really good. So thank you so much for bringing this on. I think um, it was something fresh that you were able to give your audience and they appreciated it. So um, just coming on here, collaborating with you, co-hosting alongside of you guys. Uh, this was a great experience. So I am looking forward to the future. And it was a quick shift too. It right? was a quick and shift. I'm really appreciative to relevant for being on board with such a quick shift we did one episode now it's like i don't think i like one season rather mm -hmm. i don't think i like the way this is going mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a lot to change after one season but um it was a pivot it was a it was a hard pivot we yeah. need to talk about that yeah I think you, had, you had good you had great content even in season one mm -hmm. i kind of kind of mimic chastity i'm i'm grateful for even you know being in a space to share uh and have conversations yes yeah. life-giving this is one of the things that I've always loved uh, is podcast and radio. And so for me, this yeah. is something like if I could get paid to do this, I would do it. <laughs> so that lets you know, ladies and gentlemen, he's not getting paid. <laughs> oh, you know what? I wouldn't even think like, yeah, I wouldn't even, 
Now you know what? Yeah, it sound really you bad. Like, that, like, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't even say it like that. No, this is one of those things I love so much. No, people just not paying me anything. This is not paying me anything. Yeah, I know. That is even something to talk about because when you talk about something that you're so passionate about, um, you can do it really for free yeah. you don't have to get paid for it because you just enjoy it so much yeah. so um, yeah I totally agree and so. we and we were growing like these conversations were so life giving although it was mm-hmm. you know he's interviewing others us for, for us to be able to engage mm-hmm. and have these conversations and, and provoke thought mm-hmm. right for me to go back home and challenge myself exactly and we're you able know, to apply yeah. Yeah, it's it was, like it wow I want to keep yeah. thinking about that I'm going to yeah. sit on that for a second yeah I totally yeah. agree Chas so. you mentioned the word pivot and it's kind of that's kind of what we did so like the word that's coming to my mind like I think in words and themes like for every year and so this word that's like really big for me right now as we prepare to go into 2021 is this word reimagine yeah and um, and when I use that term it's I'm not referring to reimagining what but I think you have to reimagine how yep you know, so <clears throat> there are people who have goals, passions, dreams, visions, and in a post-COVID world, mm-hmm. the way that fleshes itself out may be different. Mm-hmm. My encouragement, though, for people is not to abandon the what, just to reimagine yeah. the how. And I think that is kind of what happened unintentionally with the podcast, because this is what I feel like. I feel like transformation or transformational content, if you look at the model of Jesus, it can be delivered two ways. The first way is kind of like the one person that's doing all the talking, like teaching from a platform or teaching a seminar, et cetera. But I saw this other piece um, where it was not kind of instructional, but more conversational, where Jesus would, he would talk to his disciples, they would ask a question, what did you mean by that? Mm -hmm. And those conversations became instruments of education for us. Like, the Lord's prayer, the, the whole model prayer came, or excuse me, Jesus taught them that because they were in the middle of a conversation. It was mm-hmm. like, yo, I, yeah. I just saw you praying. Teach me how to do that. <laughs> so or how did you do that? Why couldn't we perform that exorcism? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like the podcast is kind of a space like that to say, hey, we're going to use conversations, right, as a tool to kind of help add value to people's life. So it's been, um, I've enjoyed it. I really have. I mean, I've enjoyed it. And I'm really grateful that we didn't get canceled. I know, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know, do we get a season three? <laughs> yeah, season three. Yes, don't be. Hey, yeah, y'all stay tuned. Stay tuned. It's gonna be. Stay tuned. It's gonna be great. Stay tuned. We, I don't know what direction we're going yet, but it's gonna be. Yeah, gonna I really like what you said um, about reimagining the how and don't abandon the what. And then I want to add. Um, like just be motivated and remember your why. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, yeah. That's very important because if you don't, if you're not motivated by your why, it's going to be very challenging for you to continue on to doing what you're doing or to even just reimagine your how. So yeah. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. That, that is, what is it? Why power is stronger than willpower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all a hundred percent in Absolutely. every area. Because listen, if you got the wrong why, it's it's not even just the why, it's the right why. It's the right why. <laughs> it's the right you, got, you know what I mean? If you got the wrong why, yeah. it's like, so it's almost like, let's say somebody, I hate using this example. Let's say somebody, for whatever reason, let's say if like if it's um health, uh, no, excuse me, weight, or whether it's putting on weight, muscle or whatever, or it's like losing weight, whatever it is. 
And if the reason's kind of vain, yeah, it's going to be really hard mm-hmm. to reach that goal and stick with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just want to look good. It's like that's, that's not, not enough. enough when you're hungry, not, bro. Not <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not enough. Because when, when you look good, then what? Right. It's like, yeah, right. it's like I want this sandwich. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get up in this morning. This morning to go to the gym. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to keep you disciplined at all. Yeah, you got to make sure that your why uh, motivates you to stay committed. But for some people that works, I, I just think the thing is like finding your why and not judging it. And that, yeah. oh, okay. It's like you got to hack you. Yeah. It's ah, like you hacking gotta hack you. you. Yeah, you got to hack yourself. Like it's that. like yeah. what really gets what really motivates me and, and not feeling like, OK, I need to look at what your why is. And because I feel like your why is virtuous, then I need to adopt that as my why. Mm-hmm. If I'm not, I need to be honest with myself and be like, yeah, I kind of wish that motivated me. Yeah. But it doesn't. Like mm-hmm. for some yeah. people, you go back to the putting on muscle or losing weight. For some people, they may say, Yeah, I wish I was more healthy. But what motivates me is like looking better. Yeah. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Instead of judging that, it's like you gotta hack that right now. Yeah, you you, you gotta use that, mm-hmm. like whatever your whatever your why is. So it's um it's and I, interesting. And I think it's a, you know, a lot of times we divert from our why because we're often faithful to the wrong thing. You know, you wake up sometimes and, and a lot of people, especially some of my friends, and I've been guilty too, being faithful to the wrong assignment. Mm-hmm. You know, like I like this, mm. but I'm but I'm not totally connected to it. And so oh. I shouldn't be doing it, but I'm gonna stay faithful to it because I committed to it. Mm-hmm. And well, a lot of people yeah, a lot of people have lived their lives and then they wake up one day and they're frustrated. Mm-hmm. Oh man, listen, you we know. should do a podcast on that next season on decommitting. Yes. Mm. I like it. Cause it feels like quitting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's not yeah. in some sense. It's your pivot. It's your it's word. Your it's a pivot. Yeah. yeah. Like permission de- to pivot. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one thing if you're like fickle and you're just a person that doesn't keep your word. Mm-hmm. It's another thing though, to be committed to something. And then you get a revelation that yeah, yeah. this isn't in my best interest. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not in the, you know, it's serving, uh, it may be serving somebody else's agenda, but you know, if it is not life given to you, it's yeah. probably not long term. It's not going to serve you That's or right. whoever or whatever. Well, mm-hmm. I think, you know, decommitting is not always an act of cowardice. I, like I think that. decommitting is sometimes courageous. Yes, yeah. it is. Like, uh, Very courageous. like there's a lot of stuff I stopped in 2021. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Yeah. It's some stuff I like I decommitted from mm-hmm. and I it was. I had to, I think I had to wrestle through some some of those emotions mm-hmm. with that. It's like, is this quitting? Am I abandoning these people? Like, what am I doing? But it was decommitting because what I was felt like what I was committed to was a distraction or it had ran its course mm-hmm. and it wasn't the highest and best use of my my mm-hmm. energy. That was good, Dakar. You said giving yourself permission to pivot. Yeah. Yeah. Giving yourself permission to pivot. Even when it's hard. Even when it you know it may cost you a relationship or yes. you know an opportunity. Like my gosh. Opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Well, y'all, we're getting ready to go into 2021. I'm really excited about it. And uh, this this year went, it was a crazy year, but it went by kind of fast. It did. Did it go by fast to y'all? Yeah. Yeah, I think somebody wrote. I'm not sad about that, though. I'm glad it went by fast. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody wrote, like, on Instagram, like, January, February. December. Quarantine, Quarantine, December. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with that. But, you know, I feel like on this last episode, we wanted to give our tribe, we want to give you guys something that we feel like can really help jumpstart you into the next year until we come back with season three. And um, 
Uh, so we wanted to bring on a special guest. Ooh. Wow. Drum roll. Is it Jeezy? It's not Jeezy. Oh, Gucci. Okay. It's not Gucci. <laughs> <laughs> the special guest is me, everybody. <laughs> Put insert hand clap. Let's start excitement. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I'm I'm backed into a corner. Last episode. And uh, I'm getting ready to be interviewed by my co-host, you guys. Yes. Yeah. And we're gonna this have is going to be exciting. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you're the own guest, your own guest on your own podcast. This the is people, weird. This is what the people want. Hey, okay. Mm-hmm. I trust you. We're, we're going to give them what they want. Let's see if you get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> That's our goal. Do not get canceled. Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody, hey. This is awkward, but I think it's going to be interesting. (laughs) I want you to buckle up and get ready for me to be interviewed on my own podcast. My interview is coming up next right here on the Dare Stands podcast. So we are here and we are interviewing the man himself, Dr. Darius Daniels. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> the preacher's voice. What did they Amen. even come from? <laughs> Can we just deal with that first? God bless you. God bless you, What? Wait, before we go into this, why do pastors feel like they they have to talk with a certain type of voice? I don't know. I have one voice. Okay. So I don't know. Y'all not y'all not lead me down that rabbit hole. (laughs) The lay across the room. Praise, (laughs) praise God. Praise God. Amen. Well, listen, we are interviewing you this time around because you wrote a book, Relational Intelligence. Yes. You really wanted to call it Put People in Their Places. Yes. The publisher advised against it and they were right. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Their title was better. Thank God. So, yeah, yeah, we want to talk about um, some content that you have in the book, but Mm -hmm. we want to touch on some areas that you didn't necessarily get to talk about. Yes. Um, so they, there have been multiple videos and interviews that you've done uh, surrounding the book and you've touched on some of these subjects. So let's kind of like dive deep into to some of those. First, before we get into that, let's remind the people because there are some listeners mm-hmm. who have never re- wrote, uh, read your book. Yeah. And so because of that, they don't know why you wrote the book. Mm-hmm. So let's, why did you write the book? What, what is that about? Great question. So I had two motivations for writing a book. And that is one's personal, something I experienced in my personal life over a period of time. And then the second was pastoral, something I saw in people's lives over Mm -hmm. a period of time. And that was this really simply. I saw that people's greatest joy and greatest pain came from the same place, relationships. Mm. I saw in my own life, I know what it's like to achieve certain things. You set benchmarks for yourself, goals or whatever, you achieve that. And when you achieve it, there's like this momentary satisfaction and degree of happiness. But then once that achievement gets old, it no longer brings you that kind of joy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've seen people acquire possessions and the same thing happens. And so I just kind of felt like, man, if people's greatest joy and greatest pain is coming from the same place, relationships, then we like need to be really, really intentional and strategic 
in making sure that this area of our life is an area we are intentional Mm -hmm. in managing and stewarding well. And so the word intelligence comes to mind because in my experience and what I observed in people that I served as a pastor is that many, maybe even most, relationships were being managed emotionally, Mm -hmm. not intelligently. I'm not saying your heart shouldn't be involved. I'm saying put your head in the car too, you know? Yeah. And uh, so that was kind of the motivation for the book. Mm -hmm. And... um. Man, I worked hard on it. This was one. I mean, my first book, Represent Jesus, that mattered a lot to me. But this one, I feel like I dove, I threw everything I had into this one because I just felt like, I don't know how you can get life right mm-hmm. and get relationships wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, let's dive right in. Is that okay? We do that? Yes, ma'am. Um, so there's one section of the book where you talk about advocating for yourself Mm -hmm. um i know right now because of where we are with covid um a lot of things have shifted so we mentioned um the word pivot so let's talk about like in how people have really had to pivot in their careers um whereas before people were going into the workspace working alongside of their counterparts um executives leadership or whatever now they're kind of like in this virtual space and you talk about in the book um, about self stewardship. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so oftentimes people have like a distaste for confrontation. Yeah. Okay. And so that leaves them struggling uh, to be forthright with their bosses, with their counterparts, all of those things. Um, and so they have to juggle so much in the workspace. How can they begin to um, advocate for themselves? in this workspace without being selfish. Does that make sense? It it is. I think it's a great question. And so this is what I'm going to say. I put that part in the book about advocation because I I think it's important. But that's not the only reason I put it in the book. Mm -hmm. I put it in the book because in my observations, Christians struggle with this the most. And it is because there is like a degree of self-denial that comes with being a Christian. Like there are impulses we have to deny, uh, desires that we have to deny. Mm-hmm. Um, this whole idea of the crucifixion of the flesh and taking up your cross and following Jesus. So yeah, the, you know, we do need to deny those things that one are unhelpful and unhealthy to us and others and that are also inconsistent with God's plan. But I think what I've seen is Christians confusing um, Self-denial was self-destruction mm-hmm. and permitting others to behave or act upon them in ways that are self-destructive, being silent about things like waiting on someone else to get a revelation mm-hmm. of what is hurting you, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, praying that mm-hmm. God yeah. would reveal to them that they need to stop doing this because it's hurting you. And maybe the way God's going to reveal that they need to stop is through you telling them (laughs) (laughs) you need to stop. Mm -hmm. So this whole idea of advocation is, is one it's reclaim. It's reclaiming self-denial and saying, no, 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 no. Self-denial is not me allowing or participating in anything that's self-destructive for me. Mm -hmm. Like God holds me responsible for me. That's it. You really the only person I want you, you really the only person you can control. Mm hmm. Like, I want people to get that. 
You can't even control your kids. Mm-hmm. You can influence them. Yeah. You can't control them. That's yeah. good. You are the only person you can actually control. So the person you are most responsible for is you. And that means when there are times um, when uh, your questions as relates to like the workplace, but it, I think it applies in any space. When there are times when uh, an environment or someone's engagement with you is just not healthy or not helpful. I think there's a responsibility you have to steward the purpose on, of God in your life, on your life in such a way where you're willing to be vocal in love and in humility, obviously, so that you're advocating. And I think in the book, I talk about the difference between assertiveness and aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying being aggressive yeah. Yeah. and yeah. volatile and hostile, mm-hmm. but I am saying not waiting on someone else in any environment to get a revelation of what is unhelpful or unhealthy for you. Mm-hmm. You have to advocate for you. And I want to tell you the it never gets easier. The higher you go, the more you accomplish, the more influence you get. Uh, you will never be exempt from the necessity of advocating for you. Mm-hmm. Everybody's always going to have some idea of what you should be doing with your time and your treasure and, and with your life. So, you know, I don't know if there's like three steps to something like that. It's like you just got to see it right mm-hmm. and you just got to do it. Yeah. And I'm curious because you, you you've tapped on something that it literally happened to me today with my son. He has uh, he's in this art class and he, he the, the teacher gives him gives him this assignment and he does the assignment. And I'm luckily I was in the room with him. He does the assignment and she says, I don't I don't think that that you did the assignment. That's not right. And I go and I'm looking at the instructions. And the first thing I say, I, I became a parent. I'm like, take the take take the thing off mute. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like like and then I, and then he, I, I said, tell her you did the assignment. Mm-hmm. Now he's five and he says, Oh no, 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 no. I, mm-hmm. I, and I'm saying, no, you need to tell her that you did this right. And I guess my question, how do you even teach this? Like to you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how do you? I think it's great that you're teaching that because it is a life skill. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's not. So, like, what I'm telling you is, so he's five. Yeah. What I'm telling you is, so, you know, someone who, like, leads and serves a church, I'm telling you that being 55 does not automatically mean that skill is a, a part of your, like, life skill repertoire. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, people, that's something, it's you learn it or you live life without it. And if you live life without it, you suffer for it. Yeah. You suffer, your purpose suffers. So I just really feel like what's important is two things. One, teaching people that, hey, you have to advocate for you. Yeah. Now, ideally, you want a perfect world where everybody is aware of what you need and um, what is unhelpful and unhealthy for you. That's just not life. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And some things that people are going to be doing that don't work for you. They're not doing them intentionally. It's unconscious. Mm-hmm. They don't even know it's not working. Yeah. You know? And some people will pivot and make adjustments if it just had a revelation that they needed to. So, like, one, I think it's important to teach kids. Mm-hmm. You have to speak up. Mm-hmm. But then the second thing is teaching them the way mm-hmm. to do that. How do you do that, right? Um, because if you don't, then if you don't 
disciple in that way culture will yes yeah. and they'll and so they'll go from assertive to aggressive, aggressive. I like mm-hmm. it yeah. mm-hmm. you know and they'll go from you know speaking the truth in love to speaking the truth in anger and you know what I mean and, and that's what it takes for some people to advocate for themselves mm-hmm. it takes anger yeah and you never want anger driving you when it comes to decisions because then you're gonna act at least unrighteous anger mm-hmm. you're gonna act unwisely mm-hmm. you know so if it comes out in anger you're probably not gonna be able to control the way mm-hmm. it comes out yeah yeah and then also what i hear here here is that advocating uh for yourself isn't just about your needs it's helping people become more conscious and aware on the things that they're saying and that yep. they're doing um yeah. because it's almost like like the art teacher saying oh you didn't do the assignment well i did the assignment maybe i just didn't do it the way that you thought I was supposed to do it yeah. but this is the assignment and it's correct yeah you know somewhere in that way so that, it is yeah it is it's I think it's a way of it's not just a way of loving yourself it's a way of loving your neighbor well yes because when you, you do that, that you're training well. them mm-hmm. you're training when you speak the truth to people you're you're helping people and like you're unintentionally training them on how to treat others mm-hmm. so let's use that teacher for an example she just made an honest mistake right yeah. but she may be less likely to make an impulsive statement like that without double checking in the future that's it because of that so it it serves her well also Mm -hmm. yeah and and it it was what's funny she she came back and said i didn't see it that well Mm -hmm. based on my screen Mm -hmm. so her interpretation right yeah almost created going even in your book kind of in a real sense could have affected his emotional yeah you know because he Mm -hmm. literally shut down Mm -hmm. and was like dad i didn't do it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so now not only you're talking about relational intelligence because you mm-hmm. talk about it, you go from the IQ to RQ yeah, yeah, to E. Yeah. So it's like it's all of that is yeah, like yeah. impacted based on one wrong move in a yeah. sense. And you it know? affects your confidence. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, all right, I did it. I just didn't do it the way you wanted me to do it. And it's like even with children, you have to teach them um to embrace their uniqueness yep. and so it's like it's not one way it's not one way what's the old saying it's not one I way it's more than one way, way to skin, skin a cat, cat. Yeah. yeah so it's like yeah it's your way um, and then it's my way it doesn't mean I'm doing it wrong I'm just not yeah. doing it the way you you wanted me to do it so yeah that that leads me into even just talking about boundaries I think um, when you touched on boundaries in your book that was another big one um, yeah let's talk boundaries Dakari let's talk boundaries which way do we want to go with this we want to talk boundaries in uh, friendships or do we want to go family I like friendships okay yeah I, I'm curious you know and you know you know you that I love how you open the book you know talking about friends you know how to pick them you know how to pick them uh, what was your I want to hear more about some of your experiences because you talked about it because you wrote this book from personal space, right? What were some mm-hmm. of your encounters that made you view friendships differently? Because growing up, it was you meet a you meet a you meet a child in school, right? And all of a sudden, I remember coming home one day and my, I told my mom, "I got a new friend." She says, "That's mm-hmm. not your friend. It's not your friend." What do you mean it's not my friend? We play all the time at, at recess. And then you grow up and then you end up in middle school and high school. You no longer talk to them. You don't even know where they are. How did you get to a point where you decided, I have to define what friendships are for me? You know, I'm going to say, this is going to sound weird, but I'm probably going to blame it on age a little bit. Okay. <laughs> I think the older I got, the more important I saw that they were. 
right? Because for me, the older that I've gotten, the more complicated life is. Come, I'm not gonna say the the harder it's become, but it complicates things, right? So you take parenting in one stage, where it's like you throw a kid an iPad and they're good, mm-hmm. yeah, and then they become a teenager. That's a that's not the same version Mm-mm. of the kid. It's a different kid. That's good. So you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. this is what's happening though. I was getting older. So were my kids. And so are my parents. Mm. Ah. Right? So you got all of these dynamics. You hit a season yeah. where all of these dynamics mm-hmm. are dynamics that you're wrestling with. You know what I mean? And so there are certain. So depending on like, so if a kid right now is somebody's in their 20s, let's say even in COVID-19, they probably got parents who might be like in their 40s, maybe 50s. Yeah. Not really a part of at-risk population with mm. COVID. So the way they think about COVID wow, and parents is completely, it's completely different. different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Then, you know, someone who gets into their late thirties or forties or maybe older than that. So it's, it complicates things in a different kind of way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, whereas See. in one season, it's like, oh, how do I take care of my kids? And mm-hmm. another's like, how to take care of my kids? Now mm-hmm. I have to take care of my parents. Mm-hmm. Once it took care of me. And then you start, you know, for many people, at least professionally, you're probably making some progress in your profession. So you may have more responsibility. So life just becomes more complicated. So then everything in the Bible that I read in the Bible about friendship that were just like cute quotes. Yeah. Became things that became much more real to me when I was dealing with really painful situations and seasons, you know? And so I spent like, I, I say in the book unequivocally, your friendship category is your most important one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm not backing off of that. Yeah. I'm doubling down on that. I think you're going to be more likely to be more authentic and more transparent with a friend before you will a mentor. Mm-hmm. It's going to mm-hmm. take you a while to trust a mentor to get that authentic with them. And so the friends are going to have the opportunity probably to advise you more and coach you more about real stuff. Um, than a mentor will. So anyway, I think just kind of my, that season, me hitting that season, going through stuff that just comes with that season of life, like made me value my friends in a different kind of way. And it made me categorize people differently too. You know what I mean? Because yes. some people that's good company, they not good counsel. I'm glad you said cat, you categorize certain individuals i want to get to this piece with boundaries and understanding how do you categorize friends because you just said something powerful you said you you used the word pain Mm -hmm. right to kind of in a real sense thrust you into this space of understanding friendships Mm -hmm. how do you put people in certain spaces based on the level of pain you may be experiencing at that time like how vulnerable can you be with certain friends how did you decide I can share this with this friend, this, this boundary, you know, you, cause you're creating, but ba- how mm-hmm. can I set, you know, share this with this friend and not this one, but I, I view them the same. They have, they both have equal value. Mm, yeah. That's good. Yeah. I, well, that's kind of the premise of the book, right? That everybody is, um, we're all valued equally. You know, they should be loved biblically, valued equally, treated differently. So I think the, the, the delineation from a friend and an associate, so I would not use the label friend for someone I could not be honest with. Okay. Right. Because when you work through the book and you see like one of the things I talk about is like the five traits and characteristics of a friend. 
And um, one of them is like, you got to have unbridled honesty. You know, Un like you got to be willing to be honest with me. But then you also got to have character, like this unshakable character where like I can trust you. So for me, um, there's nobody in the friendship category that I wouldn't be vulnerable with. Mm. It's my comfort level. This is going to sound like super spiritual. Okay. But my intuition and like discernment that determines what I'm vulnerable to you about. Mm -hmm. I got it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, so I could be vulnerable to everybody, but it's like this person gets this kind of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. You get a different kind of vulnerability and we're still friends. Right. Associates, I'm not really going to get that vulnerable with, mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. And so like boundary setting for me kind of comes in when there are certain friends who may want access to mm. a certain yeah. type of vulnerability mm -hmm. that it may not even be a character issue. Just like, I just don't really feel comfortable talking to you about right. that. So I, I, um, I feel like boundary setting in that sense is not really hard because if the person really is a friend and they meet like all the five traits that are laid out in the book about friends, then they aren't going to have issue with you setting a boundary. Mm-hmm. Like yep. that should be like a six trait, like friends respect boundaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. I don't want to yeah. talk right now. No, you need to talk. No. I don't want, want to, to talk, talk right, right now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so you call me back later. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like, um, yeah. It, it, yeah. In that sense, boundary setting is easy. It gets harder, I think, in the other categories than in the friendship category. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I quite, you know, No, 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 you did, question, but, but I like, I like for you to say more about, go, go into that. Like, how, explain something more difficult in, 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 in setting those boundaries. Uh, among friends? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you take, I talk about a couple of things in a book, but I feel like, um, let me, let me use something that's not in the book, right? For those that have read the book. So let's let's take a hypothetical scenario where um let's say or now this is a no cap community, right? Yeah, do you okay. think it's the last So yeah, so let's mm -hmm. go, let's say like um a, a dating relationship. Okay. Time right? to be canceled, okay. <laughs> <laughs> here we come. I'm here for <laughs> it. Let's, let's say let's say there's a there's a dating relationship and you know you got a friend and a friend knows that you're dating and blah 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 blah. Let's say for whatever reason they um there is something you discover about the other person that you're the person that you're dating. Right. Let's say, I don't know. Yeah. It could be an issue. It could be a weakness. It could be whatever. Let's just say you, you, you discovered it. Now, let's say with your friend, you and your friend have a, have a relationship where you pretty much, you're disclosing almost everything to each other. An example, and let's say you're talking regularly to that friend about the date. An example of kind of like an area where you probably have to set a boundary is, let's say if this person you're dating gets vulnerable with you, about an area, an issue, or whatever struggle. I don't believe automatically have the right to yes. disclose that aspect of your of that person's life to your friend. Oh, mm -hmm. absolutely not. Does that make sense? No. Yeah. Because that person that you're dating trusts you enough to disclose that to you. To you. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean they trust who you trust, even if exactly. the person that you trust is trustworthy. Yep, right. That's right. True. So you can share everything that you want to share about you mm -hmm. with your friend because you have that right. Mm -hmm. But when a person gets vulnerable with you in that way without that person's permission, I think it's kind of, it's like borderline. It's definitely insensitive. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
borderline unethical, right? Yes. For yes. you to kind of like share that mm-hmm. with that particular person. Because let's say y'all don't work out. Yep. Then it's not only you're carrying that information. You got somebody, somebody else, else is carrying that information. And um but then also, I think it 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 leaves room for people to develop their own interpretations of a person without meeting them or getting to know them. And um, I just don't think that's I don't think that's cool, you know, because it's like, well, we know you you all situation, especially in the dating aspect. Right. It's like you coming to me telling me every single thing. And it's like, why are you still there? Or you leave the person. Then you take them back. It's like. And then they like side-eyeing. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm just speaking culture. So I'm language. not saying, <laughs> let me say what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that to be relationally intelligent, you never talk to someone else about who you're right. dating. Right. But I am saying there has to be boundaries and a degree of discretion mm-hmm. that you use. Because um, boundaries are guidelines. They're property lines. Yep. Yeah. They're, they're property, property lines. lines. They say mm-hmm. right of ownership. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, this is, I own this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and this person kind of share shared that with me and I'm not even saying you have to be completely evasive with your friend but you I do recommend like setting a boundary and letting them know hey yeah he's kind of going through some stuff right now and so or she's kind of going through some stuff right now and we're just kind of taking a break mm-hmm. yeah yeah and you that's enough and you know what and I'm, gl- yeah. I'm glad we're talking about relationships because I want to I want to I want to take us down this this road that's all right so they say in church is that all right it's <laughs> all right <laughs> there's a piece one of my favorite parts of your book and this is something that i think and, and most of the time when i read books i read it based on where i am in life yeah. you know like and i try to fill in the puzzles of around what i'm thinking and, and this 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 one piece about advisors is so critical to me in this juncture of my life because mm-hmm. i i thought i had them before then i realized sure. you know at this age I don't know if I have any. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you thinking about relationships. Wow. So I was I was married for 6 years. Uh me and my ex-wife, we were college sweethearts mm-hmm. and we got married, all of that, right? Then I went through this period where I was chasing what I thought was success. Mm-hmm. Right? I was being very successful out in the world, but I was failing at home. Right. I wasn't bringing my all at home. And what I started to do was I started to compare myself to those that I thought were advisors. Right. And I would start to seek out advice from those advisors. And many of them were in the the ministry. They had their own business. They Mm -hmm. were like CEOs, et cetera. But what I found out is that many of the advisors (laughs) that I I looked up to, I thought could speak into my life. They weren't happy in their own situations. Yeah. And so my question is, how does, and let me just phrase this, maybe maybe for, and I, I don't want to just group this for millennials or, or what have you, but how do you help younger couples find advisors and, and as it relates to couples that can speak into their lives? Yeah. Is that loaded? This is a really good, no, it's a really good question. And I think it's it's an issue that, that a lot of people are having, and I really want to speak into this because I do think um, there's something to be said for what you're talking about. Kind of like a mentorship deficit, and uh, and when I say a mentorship deficit, I mean people who can actually kind of mentor you in what I'm calling life skills, and so like the ability to operate effectively and in a healthy way in a relationship to me is a life skill. So here, here's going to be the challenge, okay? 
the challenge that many people run into is this, is they assume, we assume from time to time, that someone who's great at a task, great at a skill, who's created, or someone who's created a lucrative life, has actually created a life worth modeling. Mm. That's deep. It's yes. not the same thing. And so the people who kind of have lives worth modeling wow. are people you probably don't know about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, that's, I hope that doesn't sound like cynical, but it, no. you understand what I'm saying? No. And I say that because of this, right? So we can, we can say um, that th- I think to be amazing at something, it requires a degree of obsession. Mm. It's this Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours to mastery. And that often leads to neglect in uh, other areas. And so what happens is their obsession with something gives them the degree of expertise that elevates them in life. It elevates them. They become notoriety. There's notoriety. Then there's a brand that's created that they have to protect. Mm-hmm. And so the emphasis becomes on the optics <laughs> and and how does how do I look? How does this look? What's being portrayed? Yep. And more energy is given to that than actually creating a life that lines up with the brand. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And that's the case, I think, in every space. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm not saying that's the case with everyone, but you do find some of that in every space. Mm-hmm. So I think the key is uh, I'm, this is going to sound so like churchy, <laughs> but I think the key is this. The key is you people have to learn how to discern mm-hmm. between fame and great. Ooh. Mm. Learn how to discern between fame <laughs> yeah. and great. When it comes to your life, and a person that's not living it can't help you. Yes. You yes. understand? Did y'all hear yes. that? Yes. That that's the part. That's yeah. I can help you preach. I can, yeah. I can teach stuff to you. I can help you develop a skill. Somebody can help you develop, you know, a social media page but yeah. like when it comes to someone who's actually going to mentor you not in a skill mm-hmm. but in life in an mm. area of your life they cannot teach you that because the education comes in part from their own degree of mastery come on not just information like their mastery of their information and implementing it in their own lives so that advisor section uh, is is huge but that's the place I think people struggle the most. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, assignments, mentees, that's clear. Associates, that's clear. Friends, that's clear. That advisor piece is like people. Now, I'm going to tell you this too. When you discern great versus fame, great probably has to be pursued. <laughs> because, you understand? Because yeah. if someone's like genuinely great, they don't have an emotional need mm-hmm. to have like followers or mentees to make them feel better about themselves. Yeah. They're, if they're great at life, they just kind of live in their life. Yeah. Living you know, quietly like, too. Yeah. Not yeah. like I'm, you know, I'm looking for some spiritual sons and daughters to, yeah. you, know, to, yeah. to, to you know, let me brag about how many people I'm actually, you know, people that are actually living it are living it. And those are, I think I talk about that in the book. Some relationships are worth pursuing. Like, like, my relationship, my relationship with my, with my pastor is because I pursued it. I got on a plane. I went to Cleveland. I went to this event he had. And I was like, yeah, I've been watching you for like five, six years. And I want your life. I own this church. I love your church. I respect it. 
I ain't in a church like that. You know, like I serve the church, but then when I say I'm not into it like that, meaning my self-worth is not attached God, to yeah. a church. But I, I pursued it. And what I saw was, yes, he has some notoriety. He is not as famous as some other people may be. And I'm not saying other people aren't great, but for me, mm-hmm. like that's great though. Yeah. And when it comes to your life, that, that's what you got to see. Not just who's hot. Not just who's famous. That that, that was the but word. Who's actually there. walking this thing out? Yeah, you're living this, mm-hmm. so I can follow this. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's that was it. Now that should be normal among spiritual leaders. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of what Paul says. He's like, follow me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's yeah. like, you know. And I, I really feel like, like when you live in, when you really live in, like the King's way. That's that's the mark of like a a, a level what I call a level three leader. It's like you can say, follow me. Like, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I'm, you know, I'm not your example. Jesus is your example, but I'm an example of how to follow him. That's good. And, um, yeah, I'm not going to, it's so much in that. No, though, it, it I, is. I, I, really, I really feel like some mentees, some people, they actually don't, they want the fame. Yeah. And so they seek the mentor who they think can provide that. Can to them. provide yeah. it. Yeah. You got me. And, um, so people that can really, really that are really living it out out there it's just like we got to be honest with our own motives honest with our own selves about yeah. our motives and it's like do i really just do i want to become better or do i want to become I've known mm-hmm. and i'm not saying it can't be both like jesus was both like jesus was famous mm-hmm. and that people have an issue with that he was great but he was famous he was famous oh he was famous but he didn't seek fame though he did not seek no. fame Mm-mm. he didn't seek fame Mm-mm. And that's, I think that's that's one of the um, challenges there. I want to say problems, but I think that's one of the challenges there because a lot of people seek out fame. And it's like, how are you being purposeful seeking out fame? Because your life ministry or your mission may not have this big, expansive platform. It may be something you're doing right there in your community to be the hometown hero or, you know, or something yes. like that. Yeah. And so, but if people like they, they try to bite off more than they can true sure. seeking something that's not, I want to say bigger than them in a sense, but it's like, that's not where you're supposed to be. These people down here matter as well. And just because someone is living that, that doesn't mean that's what you're supposed to go after. Yeah. And, and he um, just said it though. He just said, it. he said, in reference to my son if it's if it's not taught culture will teach you yeah so what Mm -hmm. i did i began to look to culture Mm -hmm. right even in spiritual leaders gotcha i see yeah to give me a sense of this is who my ex-wife and i should connect with Mm -hmm. maybe they can speak to it because they look good I don't even, I'm not following them because yeah. I think they're good. Mm-hmm. They got the image mm-hmm. and the, the the criteria is everything that I wrote on paper. Yeah. Maybe they can speak to this. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I want to segue a little bit. Um, I think we've talked about friendships and, you know, um, advisors and things like that. But I think one of another important piece is um, managing our life relationships like into uh, relationships we were born into. families Mm -hmm. um that's that's pretty huge um i think i heard you say something about um you mentioned before that same name doesn't mean safe yeah 
and you parallel this going back to those boundaries, right? Um, so talk about how we can define and model health, healthy boundaries amongst family members. Well, this is the one part of the book I feel like I've gotten the most questions about mm-hmm. because the book is on non-familial, non-romantic relationships. Now, mm-hmm. it applies to mm-hmm. everything, but I, I'm not really talking about dating and I'm not talking right. about family stuff. And um, obviously, I'm not anti-family, right? I, <laughs> I have a family and a strong family background. My point um, is this, is that your relational experience with somebody is going to be based on the quality of their character, not similarity in name. Yeah. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Now, we could say the way it should be or the way we'd like for it to be, but just frankly, that's the heart of what I'm getting at, right? So I think there, I think, you know, scriptures speak very specifically to like parental relationships that have, there has to be honor there. I think the command to, to as much as possible to be at peace with all people. Obviously that includes family. Um, but I do think we have, there are times we feel this pressure to have a, and I mean non-romantic intimacy, have an intimate relationship with everybody that has our last name when there might be character issues or mm-hmm. issues of emotional wellness that they are working through that don't make them what Henry Cloud calls safe people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And ah, I can't tell you how much people wrestle with that. And um, I don't want to overtalk this because we've got to wrap this up, but right. I yeah. can't tell you how much people wrestle with that. They yeah. really do this sense of like guilt. I wish my mom and I were closer. I wish, and it's okay to desire that and to try to pursue that, but you got to recognize that just because y'all share the last name, that doesn't mean that that's going to be your reality and the purpose of spiritual family is to be a supplement, not a substitute, but a supplement for what you don't get in natural family so that you don't live with any relational deficit. Mm-hmm. You know that's, what I mean? That's rich. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's, that's why I can't do like church as usual as a pastor. That's why I'm so just like, I don't know, I'm in this season now just reimagining because it's like all that God has done with our church, I still don't see what I saw when I started in terms of my vision yeah. for it. I don't see that yet. And um, because I didn't see just like locations and members. It it wasn't that. It was a type of church that I saw. Bible says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And so I don't have any natural brothers, but I got some friends right now that if I'm in a jam, I know right now they on the plane. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You you know what I mean? They responding like, Mm -hmm. and so I could just, I could just be in a funk and have a pity party. Like I don't have any natural brothers. Or I can recognize God mm-hmm. by his providence has given me what I didn't get. He sup- supplemented it in the form of spiritual family. So I think if people just wrap their head around that, hey, I would like for this to be this way. But whether or not this, these relationships are going to be this way with people in my family, just based on their character, not our last name. Yeah, that's yeah, so good. Yeah, you, you yeah. said it. I, I heard the word safe. Yeah. Yeah. Has to be safe. Well, I got through safe. this interview safe. Yes, you did. Yes. You All right. Did. No, Great I don't job. think I'm canceled. <laughs> no, you did good. No, no, no. <laughs> you if, did good. If uh, anything, 
think they are definitely um, happy to hear from you. And I think this was uh, what we mentioned earlier. Um, just doing this season, it has been very life giving. So I think yeah. this conversation, this interview has been life giving for not only us, uh, but the listeners there. So listen, we want to end with this. Tell us uh, we're getting ready in season two. Yeah. Um, we're getting ready to end what has been a very interesting year. Uh, so tell us what's what's next with you. Is it are you doing something else with relational intelligence? All right, what what's on your plate? What can we look forward to seeing with so, you? A couple of things. One, I can't disclose, but we got uh, there's this. Uh, I don't even want to say what it is because it'll give it away. But I got this this launch, this resource. I'll call it that. This resource that I'm gonna be launching first part of 2021. That I just think. I think it's a game changer, at least for the people who are part of my tribe who see me as a trust, trusted source of nourishment and growth or whatever. So I'm looking forward to launching that. I think I'm going to write another book this year. Relational intelligence part two? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'm going to write on relational intelligence again, but I think, I think I may start the process of writing this year. It probably won't come out this year, but I think I, think I may do that. And um, with relational intelligence, though, when I wrote the book, I said, this is not a book. This is a life skill. To me, it's the equivalent of emotional intelligence. Yeah. It's a movement. Mm -hmm. So I'm flirting with some ideas. I'm flirting with some ideas of this digital YouTube show. Mm. Um, I, I got some, I mean, whatever I do is going to be digital. But like, um, I'm thinking more about that than I am writing something else with the book because I think I'm going to be talking about relational intelligence for the rest of my life mm -hmm. so I'm really excited about that and um, yeah we'll see what 2021 brings well we're excited I know let's go 2021 let's go 2021 let's so thank you it. so much thank for you. allowing us yes. uh, the privilege and honor to interview you and uh, we hope that the listeners were able to get something out of it so yes. next up you guys we have the Dr. Ask Dr. Darius segment coming up Well, it's time for my favorite section of the show, the Ask Dr. Darius section. It's always been our vision for this podcast to be interactive. And this is why we ask you to ask me anything. No question is off limits. So thank you for sending in questions each week. And if you've got a question you want us to answer on the show, you can email that question to us podcast at dariusdaniels.com is the email address podcast at dariusdaniels.com and we'll do our best to get to as many questions as we can we've got a few that have come in today i'm gonna do my best to answer them chastity we're gonna start with you all right so i have a question from james james says how do i shed light on and promote the need for racial reconciliation within a church that only sees that as a political issue being pushed by the secular media um that's a great question so this is what i think one i, I think it's i think it's great that you know um that even though you are a part of a church that let, let's say maybe sees this issue differently than you, that you're not allowing that church to be the only entity that influences the way you think about something like race relations, which, which matters greatly to God. It, it, you know, it comes down to what we call the great commandment and this idea, this, this idea that 
you know, Christianity rests upon the commandments to love God and to love people. And that the Imago Dei, the image of God, is in everyone inherently, regardless of the amount of melanin in their body, their skin. So this is something I want to say. I want to be very, very practical here. And I want to be very, very clear. Um, I, I think there's going to be very little you can do in the church as a whole. I think probably another question would probably be, what can I do in my own life? There are a number of factors that contribute to how a church engages in these issues. Um, if a church engages in these issues, some of it is theology. Some of the theology can be a bit problematic. Other times it's just a matter of practical consideration. Like, you know, pastors are just, they may have strong convictions about this, but they feel like it's going to run off key donors. It's going to create some division in the church. So they just rather ignore it. So there are just a number of different factors. I don't know what is contributing to uh, it. The kind of the silence or the apathy in your church. And um, my encouragement to you would be, I think sometimes our best activity is our example. And modeling this in your own life. And uh, not just asking the question, hey, what is our church doing? especially if I'm not a leader in it. And I'm not saying we shouldn't, you know, lovingly encourage our church, our churches to, to pursue everything that we feel like um, the Bible says that Christians should value. Yet at the same time, I'm just trying to be very practical with you. I don't want you to be disappointed. Like the, the likelihood of many churches making pivots like that, it's just, it's just very small, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And um and when churches do, like I got friends who've taken hard stands on this and you'd be surprised how much it, it costs them just to like affirm something like Black Lives Matter. Like not, not the organization, but just the sentiment. Like you would be surprised at what it costs them financially in terms of donors who no longer give. And, um, you know, some people's political ideology is really their religion. And they're they're in their mind better america you know recognize they don't recognize that unconsciously they're becoming better americans than christian so anyway my encouragement to you brothers just kind of model this in your own life and uh god will use that and hopefully that will organically spark and challenge others to do the same so i hope that helped you man and thank you for sending in that question okay dakari we're gonna toss it over to you yeah let's just do something lighter fairly quick that was deep yeah now you <laughs> went there uh, <laughs> So people getting ready to binge watch things over the holidays. They're going to do something. They're looking to do something fun, right? What are some of your favorite movies, documentaries, or television shows you would recommend for your audience to watch? Oh, man. They're about to email us the way they did when I answered like rap questions. So are you get are you you took your head off? Do you are you about to get canceled? Yeah, this is stressful. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Give us something to watch over uh, the holidays. Yeah, so one, I'm not about to recommend or promote anything. Um, hey, you guys, uh hey, if you want me to promote, you you know. Yeah. Sit, <laughs> send it in. <laughs> we can talk. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
you gotta remember I'm a pastorpreneur. I want you to, <laughs> pastorpreneur. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm like the apostle Paul. I'm a pastorpreneur. I like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you send yeah. holler at us. Holler, holler at yeah. relevant. Let us know. Um but <laughs> I'm not really a documentary guy. Really? I am not. Yeah, I don't um, like documentaries I love either. Them. Really? Yeah, it's it's the weirdest thing because I'm a reader. Yeah. I like history. I'm not a documentary guy. I'd much rather read it in a book than like watch it on a film. Films put me to sleep. So I'm more of a show guy. You know okay. what I mean? I mean, you guys know Loving Basketball. That's one of my favorites. Boomerang is one of my favorites. Movies. Oh, that's movies. Movies. Yeah. movies. Love Jones is one of my favorite. Okay. Love Jones is one of your favorite movies. Yeah. yeah. Louis right. Tate, Neil Long. Man, Come on. What you know about hey. that? Exactly. That's all right. That's my movie. <laughs> now somebody's about to email me about all of the inappropriate intimacy scenes in these movies. You know, whether or not it's creating a culture of lust in my heart. You know? oh, so we're talking about stuff that came out when I was in college. But mm-hmm. those are kind of like some of my um um, favorite all time movies and like I don't know what am I into now I'm watching this this show on Amazon Prime called Absentia and it's like this drama um, ish kind of move I like that I like um, why am I promoting these people's stuff um, Hannah on Emma. a friend of mine hated it. He told me not to listen, not to watch. I'm so glad I didn't listen to him. Um, it was really a great, great, <laughs> great show. Um, that's kind of it. Like, I mean, I like All American on Netflix. Yeah, it's coming it's, back. It's not coming back. Yeah, next season. They just announced it. Oh, they did. Yeah, yeah. I saw the promo for it. Yep. So that was that was cool. I think one time I was on like an IG live and I mentioned Ozark. And then oh, the man. church police came for me. Really? No, they didn't. Oh yeah, they came I for me. I love that out. show. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what do you think about the language used? In- oh god. god. Yeah. So, <laughs> All right. Well, that's kind of it. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> kind of boring, I think. So you, so you'll be watching. I didn't some really. Of I didn't give you. I didn't no, give you, you much. Did. On that. No, it's okay. <laughs> That's you. That's you. Right? So you'll be That's watching right. some of those shows during. I'm your surprised break. to know you didn't watch documentaries though. Yeah, I, I love documentaries. All. I just watched one the other day too. Just like it's crazy. Dilemma, not at all. Oh, on Netflix. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm, yeah, that's a that was an interesting one. I started it and I couldn't finish it. I was it's like, deep. yeah, it's, I didn't yeah. like that there wasn't much hey, diversity man. in it. Was like, God. Not a lot of diversity in tech. Mm-mm, it's not, and that's yeah. Okay, praise God. Yes, <laughs> there's hey, your man. voice again. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, thank you for tuning in to the Darius Daniels podcast. The last episode of season two. Hey, it's been a joy to serve you and have conversations of transformation with you. We want you to stay tuned. We believe we're coming back bigger and better and stronger. And we can't wait to share new content with you. Until then, we want you to stay connected with us on all our social media platforms and continue to download and to share and to spread the word about this podcast and hopefully how it's adding value to your life. I want you to take care and we'll see you next time right here on the Dare's Dance Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Darius Daniels Podcast. 
part of the Relevant Podcast Network. For more great content from Dr. Darius, including his books, sermons, and more, check out DariusDaniels.com. Also, be sure to follow him on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And for more podcasts at the intersection of faith and culture, check out the Relevant Podcast Network, featuring shows like The Relevant Podcast, Unedited, and more launching throughout the year. Find out more by clicking podcasts at relevantmagazine.com. Relevant Podcast Network.